We're in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. We're going to back up to 23. We're going to be talking about Moses tonight, and of course, it's been been talking about faith, and uh, faith is such a ooh, huge part of the spiritual walk that we have. Tommy, without faith, we'd be a we'd be a squirrel without a climbing gear, wouldn't we? Yes, sir. And uh, Kevin, he points out sometimes hidden factors. Uh, he digs out faith in different areas. These scriptures just about took all the guesswork out of it. It says, by faith they did this, by faith they did that, by faith they did that. But we're going to start out in verse 23 there. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So, by faith, when he was born, he was hidden. We know the story, I think. We always say we know the story. But what if sometimes somebody was in here that didn't know the story? So we're supposed to hold up their hand and say, who don't know the story about Moses and being in the, uh, in the river and so forth? But, hey, brother, you slipped in on me. But that's a good thing. But here, his parents, they saw sp something special with him. And this was trying times at this, at this given time for the uh, Hebrew children, for the Israelite children. But... They hid him out. They seen something special in him. And I suggest it was their faith that, that they seen. And if we look in Exodus 2, 2, it said he was a beautiful child. And I think there's a nugget here in this. And I told him last week that I would maybe not dwell on faith, but I'd give a generic version of it. But I think there's a nugget, and you'd, you'd spoke about uh, a teenager and so forth. And I think back about when I was in the military and how those young men would come in and how they would appear, and, and they were always different. And here, but these parents said they saw something special. A lot of times, and Lord forbid any of us as parents and grandparents down that child always saying you can't do like your sister does you can't do like your brother does it takes away from their self-esteem it takes away and, and that, not only that we are hindering their spiritual walk what God could take and do with those children because they get to the point, well, Mama said I couldn't, Daddy said I couldn't, Granddaddy said I couldn't, and you said enough, then they can't. And I remember in the military, we would get grain troops, brand new troops in, and some of them just walk around with their 
head hung between the leg pitiful. I was always somewhat sympathetic to those people up to a certain point because our objective in there was trained to save life, trained to save lives. And, and uh, but that was it, trained. They'd never been trained. And I would usually mix those people up with a stronger person and a weaker person, stronger person and a weaker person. And when that weaker person did four push-ups and we're supposed to do 20, good job. Tomorrow or the next day, you'll do your 10. And you know what? Those low-esteem guys that came in, before they knew it, they was learning how to do tasks. And they became some of the best soldiers that we had. Why? Because they was patted on the back. They were given an opportunity to learn where they never had. And if you're not trained, if you're not encouraged, what does it make? Chaos. As we have seen on the streets of this United States, chaos. That's, that's, that's an example of. But you know what? On the other hand, when you hear God's word and so forth, what is it? It's this right here, a group coming together, sharing their needs, sharing their praises towards God, and also sharing those thank you Jesuses. That is the difference. But Moses' parents seen, seen something special here. And, and they went ahead and they said that uh, they were not afraid of the king's commands. At this time, you know what the king's command was? He had midwives that would go out. And when, when one of these Hebrew or Israelite ladies were birthing, they would assist them. If it was a baby boy, guess what? It was destroyed. It was destroyed. The king learned of this, and he called them to the, their attention and said, Why are you not obeying? They said the Hebrew or the Israelite children are women. They are strong women, and a lot of them are birthing with our assist, without our assistance. Maybe so, maybe not so. But God's plan, it said it went on, and the population grew because why? God was in it. God was in it. But I, th I think, too, they had enough spirituality and faith about themselves that they knew they didn't know Moses was going to be whom he was. And, you know, I guess hiding him out, I think it had a twofold deal. How can you not love a baby, male or female, if it's, if it's your own 
and it don't have to be your your blood to love them. I remember in 86, and I was just thinking as I was thinking about this, Moses, he continued to be in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh ended up towards the end saying that he would kill Moses if he seen his face again. And it was no doubt Pharaoh during the time that that child was growing up, Pharaoh played and nurtured that, nurtured that baby. I mean, he was his grandson per se. And as cruel as Pharaoh was, a child has a tendency to break all of that cruelty mind up and, and, and make you melt. I was reminded in 1986, I was in the jungles of, uh, well, I was 70 miles out in the jungle below uh, Panama. We was building a, a road in between Laguel de La Porte, a city in uh, Panama where they wouldn't have to go around the Caribbean. We went down in February and did a recon, just checking it out, identifying, mapping out how we'd go. And we saw the, their hygiene were great, but the poor condition of the children. They would go to school in the morning. They would dress like little white shirt and blue pants. So, so pure, so it was just right. But we came back in March or April after recon was done, I guess, and we carried 164 guys down there. And we told them, just in the bottom of your duffel bag, try to put a toy, a yard sale item, a little undershirt or whatever. And we picked out a particular day to issue all of that out. And, and each township has a mayor, so we got with Ian. And, uh, of course, I was the first sergeant of, of that company at that time. And when we got through, I can see her as if it was last night. I'd say the young lady was 24, maybe 25, so beautiful complexion was just so just a pretty young lady had a baby was probably four months old five I don't know I had one at home similar age and the interpreter was there she handed the baby to me and, oh, it's so precious when you're that far away from home and you get to hold a baby it's precious Robert and the interpreter said, first sergeant said, I don't know whether you know what you're doing. said, she has given you that baby in gratitude for this stuff that y'all have given them today. I said, no, no. I said, tell her I belong to the United States government. I'm not allowed to take her child. And I can still see that glow in that young lady's eyes 
when the interpreter told her whatever and handed that baby back to her because she had given me her baby for some magic markers, per se. Folks, we are so wadded up in this United States. So wadded up. We don't appreciate what God has given us. And we've gotten down to, like I said, magic markers, what, four or five in a pack, different colors. We've gotten down to where we were just opening the pack, giving out a magic marker to where everybody else had and stuff. And uh, my boy, the next month or so, I have never seen so many Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee little guys with those shirts that all of our troops brought down there. They wore them proudly. And they loved balls and any kind of baseball. And they'd water plastic bag and, of course, a, a plastic bait. Uh, bat down in there and, and if they didn't have that they'd cut them a stick and but we give them a lot of balls and boy it was ball games all over that that region for the next but but here they saw something special in this child and and then it goes on and 24 says by faith, Moses, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, not only was Moses the, a lawgiver, he became the deliverer of the Hebrew children. He was actually the historian of the old nation of Israel. The Bible says that God cannot use a prideful man in Numbers 12, 3, you know, it says Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. The meekest man, the most humble man. I think it was no wonder that the Jewish lifted Moses up in high esteem, even higher than the angels. I think the following verses is seven characteristics that explains the how remarkable this man Moses was. <laughs> Said when he'd come to age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Number one, Moses he he chose humility in the original text the article B is left out it's absent it just says he refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter why is this important because son of Pharaoh and you know we, we might speculate well he would have been the next in line for king. Or he might have not been next in line. He would have been next in line. Because in the original text, the, the article V was left out. And, uh, and it's just like we're saying, Queen of Egypt, or Queen of Egypt, 
Queen of England, Duke of York. And, and if it's got the son of Pharaoh, that means he is not going to be heir to the throne. But it says son of Pharaoh, that the was left out, meaning Moses was the next in line for the throne. At this time, he was around 40-year-old. 40-year-old. And he said, you know what? I'm not interested in the power. I'm not interested in the prestige that comes being a king. I've seen my people mistreated, beaten, and it's time for them to be set free. And he said, I will trade away all of those good things to be able to help those that I can help. I'm not interested. In 25, it says he choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So number two, Moses, he chose suffering. I think we would be uh, real hesitant to say, oh, give me pleasure, give me suffering. When we look at the broader picture, and I think this is what Moses did, and I think we would likewise, there is going to be some suffering, but I'm going to tell you what the rewards hereafter is so great. There's pleasure in sin, folks. For a season. For a season. It pleases the flesh. It makes us feel good in our heads. But you know what? I have witnessed to people, and I haven't had a single one of them to ever say, <laughs> Boy, I sure was proud of that adulterous affair, that blah, 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 whatever I did 100 or 20 years ago. Not one time have they said that, but they have said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If I could just go back, if I could just go back and recall. But you can't. There's no time like the present. I wasted 27 and a half years in the military not being a witness for Jesus Christ. I wasted them, folks. What was I doing? I was busy making a living. I was busy chasing a career. I was busy 
being a husband when I was at home and trying to be a father. We will get wrapped up so much in the things that we have around us that we forget what our main purpose is. And I let that hinder me. I was teaching at Old Grove one night. We used to have discipleship training on Sunday night. I was teaching, and, and I was up there that night, brother, and kind of like tonight, what we're supposed to do as Christians, what we're not supposed to do as Christians. And I was behind the pulpit, and Satan got in my head. He said, and I had not been retired long. He said, two years ago, you was he. And I got to the point that I couldn't even teach. And you know what I done? I said, wait a minute. I got right there and I gave it to Jesus Christ. I said, bigger is he that's in me than you telling me that I'm not able to teach. And you know what? I got up and I taught them. Why do we let a hindrance of Satan take away our pleasures? One of the best friends I had was my AST, my civilian employee. He worked for me for, ooh, 80, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, wasn't it, Jeanette or so? We became brothers. I was his boss man, but he didn't know I was his boss man, and I didn't know he worked for me. Because we had a job to do, and we did it. And last July, year before last, telephone rang, and I never told him about Jesus Christ. Old Perry was a good guy. He was a good guy. I mean, a you just didn't want anybody any better. Telephone rang and it was my past motor sergeant. He's the first sergeant, and they still call me. They don't. They don't know I even got a body. It's still what it used to be. So the first sergeant, you know, Perry was had cancer pretty bad. He lived uh, hearts. I said no, didn't know it. I said, I'll go talk to him. And folks, you don't go talk to somebody unprepared. You don't go talk to somebody with Bobby's agenda. You go talk to somebody in that condition, in God's agenda. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was on Tuesday. And I have got a wife that will hound the very hound out of you if she's got a schedule that don't coincide with your schedule sometimes. Like I said, that was on Tuesday, on Wednesday morning. Jeanette said, excuse me, I got to blow these nostrils. Wednesday morning, Jeanette said, Bob, you call Perry? I said, no, Jeanette, I haven't called Perry. I'll call Perry. Well, I was praying that the Holy Spirit would give me the words stay and prepare him. 
Thursday morning came. Guess what that record played? Mom, have you called Perry yet? I said, no, Jeanette hadn't called him yet. I'm going to. It still wasn't right. Friday morning, I said, Jeanette, I'm going to call Perry today if the timing is right. Because it was fixing to be said. And uh, lo and behold, about 9 o'clock, my telephone rang. Guess who it was? Perry. He said, Ben, and his name was Perry Vernon, PV. Mine's B, Bobby Dale, BD. He said, BD. I said, PV, what you been doing, brother? He had a memory. It was 164 guys in our unit. Our payroll was, our social security number was our identifiers of pay. He had social security number memorized of 164 guys. I said, I'm doing fine, PV. I left, he in 89, and this was the year before last, 2018. He said, wait a minute, blah, 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 blah. He spit out my social security number. I said, brother, you may have cancer, but I said, it's not in the doggone head. Because we, we talked to each other like we could. I mean, you know, and so he said, just been thinking about it. I said, been thinking about you too. As a matter of fact, uh, I'd like to come see you sometime. He said, matter of fact, I would like to come see you sometime, but said I want to be, make sure I got to go back to the doctor next week. I don't know how it is. I said, well, I said, you, I said, I said, you just hang on. I'm coming to see you Sunday. And uh, I said, uh, put your helmet on. Because I said, I've never told you about Jesus Christ. When I said, Perry, I said, a bad cold will make your nose run. Cancer will kill you. If you're not prepared, you're going to bust hell wide open. And uh, he said, that's what I want to talk to you about. He said, if I knew anybody could talk to him and be honest with me, you'd be honest with me. And I couldn't wait till Sunday. Got there and we went out on the back porch. And uh, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Uh, I said, now you go tell the, your pastor, you tell everybody. I said, don't be ashamed of what's happened today. Sherry said he told everybody. He died in October, only, only lived a short time after that. They asked me to do a party in his funeral. And Jeanette laughed. She said, I've never seen a standing ovation at the funeral before. Everybody knew Perry was a good guy, but I shared his testimony that day. And people stood up and clapped their hands and praised God. Not what I am, but what God does through us. What God does through us. And the same thing was about Moses here. His mother seen something special. I know I'm just burning y'all up with stories tonight, but 
you get tired of them, say, I've had enough. I'm enjoying it. My mother birthed the Moses right here. October the 27th, 1946, mother went into labor. Probably picked cotton all the day before. That's just the way they did it. No such thing as C-section. I was as big as a bear, Tommy, and never did grow anymore after I got here. I weighed 10 and a half pounds. I was a big boy, and that was, that was on them cotton scales, and they always weighed light. But uh, they had a doctor out there, Dr. Mara. And uh, they told mother, said, you're not going to be able to birth. And said, we will dismember the baby to save the mother. She said, uh-uh. She said, won't be any of those days. She said, God will either provide and we'll both live or we'll both die. That will be his will. And they got Dr. Owens out there, and Mother always thought Dr. Owens hung the sun. Y'all might remember Dr. Owens yeah. way years ago. Anyway, I was birthed. We both liked to die. But we didn't. But I tell people, there was no such thing as abortion in my mother's vocabulary. Did she know I was going to be standing here telling this story 75 years later? No. But you know what? I am what I am by the grace of God. But my mother helped me on her lap and read the Bible to me out on that front porch when I didn't even know what she was reading. And yes, I have lived like a dog. I went through 27 years in the military, was not a witness for Jesus Christ. And folks, I couldn't sit here last Wednesday night when Kevin asked, Was it in, is anybody might want to teach them Wednesday night? I didn't want to. I had hay to cut. I would still be cutting hay right now if I wasn't standing here right now. But I was calling a man about a, a tractor a while ago before I came. I said, got to go. I said, I'm going to try to attempt to teach tonight. And I said, uh, I quit earlier, or I quit the hay field. Come in. He said, that's probably going to be more important cutting that hay. I said, he has probably got that hair dryer <laughs> that's going to dry that hay for the effort. But I'm not here for that. But, you know. We don't know what we're going to be. And it's just like I told you earlier about the, the love those grandchildren, love those children, encourage them. Enough stories, I think. Ooh. Moses showed servant. Okay, in verse 26, said, esteeming, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect, respect unto the recompense of the rewards. That is a 
whole bunch of words in it, and when you read it, it just kind of fogs my mind. But I guess when it's all said and done, you know what it, all those words mean? Moses, he invested in the things of eternity. He invested in those things eternity. I always like to use examples. The riches of the world. Last Sunday, we sang the marvels of God. When we had a hamburger deal and everybody was out there bidding a hundred dollars for a cake that I could have, I could have got at the house for whatever the the flour was with a hundred and fifty dollars for a a uh, banana pudding, and everybody laughing and carrying on. That's not human nature, folks. That's not the way the world does it. The world wants to grab a dollar out instead of a dollar in. In Malachi, it says the tithes is mine, saith the Lord. Those weren't tithes. That was above and beyond. Above and beyond. Reason I know, it's not a doggone coconut cake in the world worth $100, but it's been good, hasn't it, Jeanette? A dog, it's been good. But yeah, but you know what? I have found you can never outgive God. You can't outgive God. And 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 we don't I'm sorry. Exactly. We're just stewards of. But when we get to the point, and I don't know whether I was always like this or not, it don't make an iota with me anymore. If I've got 50 cents, it's okay. If I'm broke, it's okay. If i got a dollar, it's okay. It don't make any difference. Because, as I said one Wednesday night, I was born naked and crying, broke as a convict. <laughs> and if I get out of this world with my soul, guess what? I've left here a rich man. Amen? Amen. That's right. Tim, what are you, what are you studying on there, brother? Okay. Okay. I thought you had something, some words of wisdom to tell us, maybe. No, we don't. He's an overachiever. But you know what? The bottom line to that example last Sunday, how people... And it's not only last, I, I have been amazed at that chicken bucket. When they, when, when they, when they wanted that, uh, what kind of machine was it? Ultrasound. Ultrasound. I had to, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. <laughs> you know what I had to think about? <laughs> I had to think about going and taking a calf, a cow down yonder at the, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
the animal clinic to have them palpated. And I said, Ab, ultrasound, that's what it is. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to relate, too. But uh, the next Sunday, too, you know, we got this, we got that. That's God's people working for one agenda Amen. to please God and His deal. Why do we do that? Faithfulness to the servant. Faithfulness to the servant. Tim, no, amen. But I would like to think that is a turnaround. That people is getting in their thick, doggone skulls that this abortion is murder. It's, it's not convenience, it's murder. He's in control. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? We know not what an impact we're having on somebody we don't even know about. I'm going to look straight down the hall. I've got a sister, 89-year-old. She has got a recliner that she was so locked in on because it was one Ernest set in before going to nursing home and it needed replacing bad. That recliner out here ended up in her house and she has been like a dead pig in sunshine this is the best setting thing. It does this way, it does that. She has been just overwhelmed with it. And there's a whole lot to that story, but I'm not even going to go into it. But well, I got a testimony. Y'all don't know how much I would have paid for Sue Young Cheney. I got off cheap. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't, I don't mean to embarrass Tim. And Tim, don't, I'm, I don't usually say this, but I was bidding against Tim on that recliner. And Jeanette said, Bobby, she is not going to sit in that recliner because she is not going to get rid of hers. She did move it into the back room. 
Tim and I was just casually talking and walking. And he said something about me bidding for that recline. I said, well, I was buying it maybe for my sister, but she probably wasn't going to He said, it's yours. He gave me the recliner. I gave it to she, and she has been, I don't think it's ever been a piece of furniture in her house she loves more than that recliner. And that's how God works, folks. Amen. That's how God works. <clears throat> Tim, I know you, <laughs> we don't never let the right hand know what the left one doing, but that's worth telling. It really is. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's a room full of Tims in here, though. He just happened to have the rocking chair. It's others of you same way would do the same thing if you caught us with our backs against the wall. I guarantee it. Except maybe, yeah, everybody would. <laughs> Love you, Robert. Oh, where am I? He invested in eternity. In 27a, said, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Number four, Moses walked out with the wrath of the world that was against him. The wrath of the world against him. Why? Because, you know, Moses, he grew up in the palace. Pharaoh and his court. They were actually Moses' colleagues. And you know what? The people with whom we are the most familiar, the people that we are the closest, are the people that we will not chastise in good love to tell them that they are wrong. Right or wrong. We won't do it. But you know what Moses did? Moses, he said, I don't have to have that fine stuff. I will suffer for a while because I think sometimes no one's no one under no one's, if that makes walking around sense. And that's where sight or Faith is the invisible edit in our life. We know there's a greater destination and what it takes to get through this world is just it's just a vapor. People that I talk with and that's in bad shape and hurting, I always tell them to hang in there. Tomorrow will be better. Betty McLaughlin, you remember Betty? No. That was a, another church another time. But she was my best buddy. And boy, one, one month and I'm going to care that she's going to heaven now. But if it could have happened, it did. Husband had a stroke. 
she fell and broke her hip or arm or you name it, it happened. And and she thought I was a, a little old goddess and I never told her any different. And she'd call me and ask me to pray and I'd pray with her and for her. I'd say, Betty, tomorrow's going to be better. Tomorrow's going to be better. One morning the phone rang. I said, what you want to pray for, Bobby? Nothing. Tomorrow's finally got here. It's better. I said, well, great. <laughs> and God good. <laughs> oh, man. I missed her. I always called her. She was in Missouri. She finally moved to Missouri, and I'd always call her on Mother's Day. And we got up the other morning, and Betty came to my remembrance. That, but uh, I'll see her one of these days. Amen. Don't worry about today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're supposed to be concerned and apply ourselves, but to get to the point of worrying, to the point that it, it can hinder us, it can prevent us from doing those things that we need to do to get whatever accomplished that we're supposed to get accomplished. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful song. Goes ahead and says, Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyeth the firstborn should touch them. Six, Moses kept the Passover. The Greek word translated keep there, it denotes a continuous action. So in other words, Moses kept on. He kept on a continuous action. Why did he do this? Because he kept the death angel away. He kept the death angel away. So, who is our Passover? Jesus Christ. We find that in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And then Paul goes ahead and writes in 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. says, For this cause many are sick and weak and dying, not giving worth to the Lord's table. So here... The Passover is our communion now. Why do we take communion? Why does people partake in this? It's to keep the death angel who will creep. He will creep into our family spiritual, spiritually and to our hearts personally. I'm not talking especially about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. And it's just like he said about worrying. If we worry enough, we will have a spiritual death because we will apply everything to our worrying ability and not do anything to our spiritual ability. So we take communion because it says, as oft as you do this, do it what? In remembrance of me. As long as I'm remembering he, guess what? I don't have to dwell on the world. Amen. 
And, and as long as I'm not dwelling on the world, I'm building a spiritual fortress that Satan can't break through. He only breaks through when we open the doors for him. We have the ability to prevent it, to not accept it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he, when, when they had this Passover, they sprinkled blood on the doorpost over the lineals of the door. When the death angel came by, guess what? He saw it and he passed on by. Folks, one of these days, all of us have received Jesus Christ. You know what? They're not going to see old Bobby, Tommy, Robert, Joe, Jim, and Jack, and Mary Ann, and Susanna. But they're going to see the blood of his son. Amen. Blood of his son. And guess what? He's going to pass on and say, heaven's is yours. Heaven's yours. And it's not going to be, depart from me, you lover of iniquity, for I never knew you. Whew. Good stuff, Robert. Yes, sir, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tommy. I thought I was going to have to twist his arm. <laughs> 20 sides, 29 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptian uh, uh, ascend to do when drowned. So, number seven, the final one, Moses kept the ordinance of baptism. Baptism, we're talking about the Dead Sea, the parting of the Dead Sea. When you get time, look at 1 Corinthians 10.2. And it tells us that even not only did Moses keep the ordinance of the Passover, but he kept the ordinance of baptism. You see, according to 1 Corinthians 10.2, the parting of the Red Sea was what? It was a picture of baptism. It was a picture of baptism. The same water that parted for the Israelites for them to walk on dry sand, guess what? Came through and destroyed the Egyptians. When we walk into that tub of baptism water, you know what? We're saying, beer the Egyptian in me. Beer the Egyptian in me. O oh Lord, drowned out the old, the fleshly part of me, the world part of me. Because I'm headed for a new land. I'm headed for a new life. And that life is in Jesus Christ. And when these eyes are closed and that spirit takes off, glory, hallelujah, amen. Going to be a different story, brother. No more hay to cut. Whew. Word from anyone before we say amen and amen and head to a white bean and cornbread and a green onion. Moses just kept looking for the promise. He kept looking for the future. And like you said, you're talking about, it's easy for people who, who get so worried about the now and the stressing, they forget that. And then what happens? You don't see them in the doors anymore. And you know, if you, if you follow the, 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 the path of the Israelites, 
after they was freed, you know, <laughs> they were the mummering bunch. Yeah. And I guarantee you, some of them said these doggone stones are heavy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, it was someone someone complained about, or my stone is not as smooth as Thomas' stone. Yeah. You know, they got to the Red Sea and they looked back and they heard the horse in the chariot and said, "Oh," said Moses, "You just let us here. We can't get across. Now we're going to get killed." He parted it and then. They got on the other side and said, I'm hungry. Ah, <laughs> oh, dog. We're tired of bread. Yeah, we're tired of bread. Give us some quail. Yeah. But, you know, it's just amazing when you think about how high that water was stacked. I mean, you know, that water was standing straight up. And the ground was dry. Because, I mean, look at how long the water had been there. I mean, the water had been there forever, basically. And God took and just says, dry. And it's dry. But, Tommy, as a, as a greater miracle that is, look at you and I. What we could have been, what we're not accomplished yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've heard people say, that murderous this and that. Folks, we're one sin away from being the worst of the worst. And it's only God's grace that prevents us from doing those things. I was never a drinker. I was never a cursor. I I chose the wrong way of life to make a living. If you was in the military, you were supposed to wake up cursing, go to bed cursing. If you didn't have water, you drank everything stronger than. I didn't do neither one of them. My dad, again, it goes back to how we're taught, folks. My dad was not, he would call a somebody down in the, a store that wouldn't even listen. Watch your mouth, you got some ladies around here. And uh, that's just the way he was. And that's the what I grew up with. And I used to slop the hogs. And I can still smell that doggone slop. <laughs> and it smells just like that beer that they poured. Well, I didn't want none of that stuff. And, but... I love country music and dancing. And I never hid it from Jeanette. I know Jeanette's shaking her head. Quit telling this junk. You paint yourself as an outlaw. <laughs> but when I'd be off to school or whatever, when it gets nighttime, we would go to a country club that had a band, and, and I would dance. So they turned the lights on and said, get out. I, I enjoyed it. I love country music. But you would have to buy a drink. That was the admission of getting in. You had to buy a drink. And mine would sit there, and by 12 o'clock, the ice would be melting. It was water running out of both sides of the table. But I was high-tempered as three red walls, Robert. <laughs> I didn't have a lick of sense. 
I came off the dance floor and somebody, some drunk, and all three, and I wasn't, I didn't like the mess because it stunk, but I was in my in a position to be that. I shouldn't have been there as a, as a child of God. But he had bumped into my table and it turned over my $3 and a half drink that was going to be there. Tommy, I got blood red me at the face. If I'd have caught him, I'd have killed him. That's what I say. Don't put yourself in positions that you'll be sorry. Just like the earlier I said about the synod. No one's ever said, oh, I'm so proud. I was so proud of that drink he turned over because I didn't find him. If I hadn't have been there, it would have never happened. And God watched over me, folks. He watched over me when I didn't have enough sense to watch over myself. That's as big as a red seed. It's as big as a red seed. Because there's a soul, and I know where I'm going. There's a soul that's been saved right here. I know I want to know what I know. And, and, and I could have been on the other side of the, of the stick. We all could. All said and done. Two minutes to pray. Anybody wants to pray? Can, go ahead, Tim. You. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the opportunity to come to study your word today. We give thanks for the travel mercy to and from. Yes, Lord. Yes,